listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. You're listening to the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the show. What if I told you that your health isn't just important to you from a well-being perspective, but it was actually your competitive advantage in business. I bet you'd probably listen a little bit more closely, wouldn't you? Hey, I know I would, but that's what we're talking about today, that your health can be a competitive advantage. And our guest is Dr. Teresa Larson. Now, Teresa's got a very interesting profile. She's a former Marine. She's done interesting work with people at a high-performing level now as a consultant and a speaker and an expert in the area of physical fitness and health. I hope you get some great ideas. This is going to be an interesting show, and I believe that you can actually make improvements in your health with small steps that she's going to share with us. Make sure you connect with her online. We're going to put all of her contact information on the show notes, and she even has a special free download for you to look at that will make big changes in your health. Thanks for listening. As always, if you've got time, if you could give us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate that. And as always, this show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions, legal intelligence suite of products, Firmscape and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. And now here's my conversation with Dr. Teresa Larson. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Scott Love with the Rainmaking Podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Teresa Larson, and our topic is your health is your competitive advantage. Dr. Teresa, thanks for joining me on the show today, Dr. T. Scott, it is great to be here. <laughs> I'm excited. To me too. It's to always you. it's always good talking to another veteran. You were active I agree. in the US Marine Corps, you know, so I was Navy, so we can still get along. We get along, yes. Much That's more right. than the Army and the That's Air right. Force. That's right. So, That's right. Yes. And so, as you know, our audience listeners are people who are high performers. These are rainmakers. Some of them work with big global law firms. Some of them are high stakes headhunters, but all of them have one thing in common. Their goal is to earn trust with clients and they're doing sophisticated work with sophisticated people. And that kind of has a tendency to really wear wear us down and, and wear us out and things like that. So let me ask you this. We're looking at our health as our competitive advantage. Let me talk about that topic title. And what do you mean exactly when you say our health can be our competitive advantage? How is that so? Well, so if any of you out there listening were ever an athlete at some form of your life or phase of your life, I should say, you know that being fit and healthy and neck up, you know, together focused Mm -hmm. helps you on the field. Yeah. Right. And also in the classroom too. So that is why, you know, our health can help us prevent injuries, which is, you know, typical to talk about in the medical space, right. And typical to talk about in the alternative medical space too, but to see it also as a performance enhancer is kind of a flip on what, how we currently see it. Like a lot of us think to stay healthy, especially as we get out of the service or get out away from sports as a way to prevent injury. Well, actually Mm -hmm. It's a way to improve your performance. And okay. once an athlete is always an athlete. Yeah. Once a Marine, always a Marine, right? right. I don't know about new Navy folks, but I don't right, know what right. you, how you see it. But, you know, once in the Navy, always in the Navy, right? This is right. part of your past. Like, so instead of letting your health go, use it as a way to help you grow so that you show up as the best version of yourself. Right. Because you know what? A lot of people who are 
high level, high performing, really struggle with, you know, they think work and family and health are three big things in their life, but typically work and health or work and family will take precedence because it's front and center all the time, right? It's like you're working, be with your family. And then how do you fit in self-care, especially self-care that, you know, you can stay consistent with. It's not like when you, you know, I played professional softball. Mm -hmm. I was paid to play professional softball in the Marine Corps. I was given time to exercise and it behooved me to stay fit for my Marines. That's right. As a leader of Marines, as a collegiate athlete, same thing. I needed to stay healthy for them. Yet when I get into the business world, what then I'm a mom, I'm a wife. Like I gotta, I've got two big boys. I got to keep up with If I don't stay healthy. I'm not going to last. Yeah. Right. right. And I'm not going to last in my business, but oftentimes it we're very short sighted how we see our health post service or post sports. But I'm telling you, if everyone were to take their health on as their competitive advantage, it will pay huge dividends in their life. That's really interesting to me because I see a lot of people that are performing at a high level that all of a sudden there might be an indication of poor health. And I don't want to say it's too late, but they really shouldn't have gotten to that point where they see that now I'm not able to do this. And it's, you know, it's kind of like, well, if you look at dentistry, you're starting to lose your teeth because you never brushed and flossed your whole life. It's kind of too late. So what, what are some of the trends or overarching themes that you've seen with executives, high-performing executives that you've worked with in terms of health? So I've seen that very thing, Scott, actually. So when folks, like, usually it happens over time, right? We mm-hmm. kind of just let our health fade and we kind of use the excuses of, well, someday, someday when I'm less busy. Or yeah, when I have time for this, or maybe mm-hmm. only on the weekends or when my kids are out of the house and there's always some excuse that goes with it because there's always something like family or work that takes precedence. And then when they lose their health, right, when they get diagnosed with high cholesterol or heart disease or diabetes or back pain, right? That's a big one. Yeah, Burnout's mm-hmm. a systemic mm-hmm. Thing that happens in the workplace, but let's like, if you were to take burnout and apply it to the individual, it's just like chronic stress. Yeah. Yeah. Like look at the chronic stress, chronic stress and being sedentary are two catalysts for a lot of what we see disease wise, low back pain, burnout, and those sorts of things. So it's often that whole thing. Like we wait until we lose our health mm-hmm. to do something about it. And it doesn't have to be that way. And yeah. so if we can flip the message and how people realize like, look, like there are simple things. You have to make it part of your lifestyle and you have to actually, there's, there's some key things that you can do that can really help set up your lifestyle so that you can work optimally and live optimally. Let's let's talk Um, about that then. What what are some of the big rocks on the bucket, so to speak, when you're working with executives, high-performing individuals, where do you usually start and where are you kind of going with your work with them? So where I start is, we always start with an assessment because in order to get, we think I kind of compare it to land nav, right? In order to get to where you want to go, you got to first really understand where you are right now and mm-hmm. be brutally honest, right? So when we look at our health and well-being, I look at five major categories and these are the five major categories we assess. And we assess leaders in this category because you know what? You want to impact an organization. You got to so focus on the leadership first. Yeah. If okay. leaders, you want to have your people adopt well-being and be healthier, more productive, you have to live it and set the example, just like parenting, right? So the five key areas are sleep, food, what you di- what you ingest, 
right? Mindset training. What are you doing to train neck up movement planned and unplanned, right? Planned is like the 120 minutes of moderate activity, moderate intensity activity you need to be doing each week. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But also the unplanned is the consistent movement you're giving yourself each and every day. And then the last one is social support. Uh, I heard this great quote the other day is you can tell, show me the five people you hang out with and I'll show you your character. Oh, interesting. So, and that's kind of a play on Jim Rohn's you're average of the five people you hang out with, but it's true. Like if I'm hanging out with deadbeats, right. For example, or I'm just, you know, used to hanging out with people and schmoozing and boozing, like guess what my life probably will turn out like. Yeah. Right, versus being around people who are positive, who build you up, who challenge you, like your life will be better because of that. That's interesting so, that you'd you'd assess their peer group and give that so much credit. I'd say for health. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's actually a really big uh, and important part of how resilient someone is. So even if you just look at injury in the first place, so the people you're around. Right, make a huge difference in, let's say you had an injury, your recovery from that injury, and just your ability to bounce back, your ability to achieve goals. I know there are studies around this too. Mm-hmm. Like who you hang out with actually can determine the outcome of your goals. Yeah. So it is interesting. And, you know, I mean, in my life, I've had to let go of peers or kind of lovingly let go, right? Of people in my life just because it, wasn't serving me or there's too much drama that I felt, or, you know what? I just don't have enough time to help this relationship stay alive and nor do I want to. And it's okay to admit that. And that's why we start with an assessment, Scott, is because we want to be brutally honest with where we are. Are you sleeping seven hours a night? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. Because you know what? If you don't sleep seven hours a night, your amygdala, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. thing that controls your emotional center in your brain is heightened by 60%, which means if people come to the office and are super stressed and reacting to everything in front of them. Well, if they're not sleeping well, of course they're reacting to everything in front of them. Let me talk about this because it's almost like there's diminishing return. Once we hit a certain point in the amount of time that we spend in the day working. And if we don't rest and tell me that statistic again, you mentioned that, how does that affect us? The sleep? So our amygdala. So yes. So in some of my presentations I give, there's this, this MRI show. And there's the amygdala, which is, if anyone has ever experienced trauma, which we all have to some degree, there's this thing called amygdala hijack, right? Where you have tunnel vision, you start to spiral, just feel like you can't get out of this really stressed state, sympathetic driven state, but the amygdala controls our emotion. And when we don't sleep at least seven hours a night, minimum, right? That amygdala is 60% more reactive which means we are more emotional. So when I was, you know, a number of years ago, I was sitting in my therapist's office, stressed the heck out, always falling off of self-care because like who has time when life is really stressful for self-care? It's like, that's the first thing to go. And then I remember my therapist who is not so normal. He's like a biofeedback therapist said, well, are you sleeping? How are you sleeping? I was like, what? That's all we're going to talk about is sleep. Like, yeah, because you're going to be more emotionally reactive if you don't sleep. And by dialing in my sleep first, it helped me show up, right? And each day now actually apply. So starting to exercise again and practice mindfulness and meditation that helped. If I wasn't sleeping, none of those things would work well. Right. So have you seen people, and I would imagine just with this one change, 
it makes a difference. Have you seen it in a media? Huge difference. Yeah, tell me about so that. So there's this concept called the domino effect that we teach. And it's not mm-hmm. a historical effect, right? <laughs> this is like just if you apply sleep, if you really dial in your sleep hygiene, the rest, like you're able to get up a little bit easier in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. You're less reactive to people. Uh, you're more responsive to the things going on in your life. You start to eat better. Like you're more mindful in different situations, less right. react. Like you're again, like the less reactive piece is a huge one. Like what would that mean for people? I know with my own kids, I have a three and six year old, right? And sometimes I don't sleep well. And I know that the nights I don't sleep well, I will be more reactive. Mm-hmm. So knowing that I just kind of check myself before I yell or say anything, right? Because I know that I didn't sleep well and I'm going to be more reactive. And the power of knowing that is helpful. Even with my team, I've had to say, Hey, I got to cancel, but in on the night, you know, a meeting today, because I just need to get some rest Yeah, because I just can't pay attention. Right. That's the other component of not sleeping. Well, people being on their phones later, watching TV later, binge watching TV is the fact that when you're on meetings, you can't focus the same way. So there's your productivity. Yeah. It's like, if you want your employees to have better productivity, there, there are those five components of well-being help, but start with sleep. Yeah, that's are, great. Are people getting sleep? That's an easy change. What about the quality of sleep, like the type of mattress that they use? Have you ever talked yeah. with them about things like that? Yes. So actually one of the PTs on our staff that does a lot of education, she's a sleep researcher. So we are all about get setting up your environment for success with sleep. So this is great. Like you want to make sure your room is dark and cold. So 68 degrees is actually the researched temperature that you want to have in your room. You want your room to be pitch black. So all of the, you know, put blackout curtains up if you can. You can get them on Amazon or they're not that expensive. Make sure there's no, people are going (laughs) to not like me for this, no technology in your room. Take the TVs out, take the phones out right? Because that light is stimulating and can impact your sleep. Wow. And then ideally don't drink alcohol before bed, mm-hmm. right? Because you know alcohol will stay in your system. And then also try not to eat a few hours before bed either. Okay, good. Because so your body can actually rest and digest, right? And it doesn't, it's not like working on digesting all night or woken up by alcohol. It's just able to rest because mm-hmm. your, your body does a lot when it sleeps. I mean, it's repairing your brain, it's repairing tissues in your body. If you don't give it adequate sleep, you're not going to recover well. So the other component is caffeine. So watch your caffeine intake. Everyone's a little bit different in how they digest caffeine, but think of caffeine as a six-hour half-life. So okay. you know, I stopped drinking caffeine around noon mm-hmm. because I want to make sure I'm getting tired around six or seven. Right, right. Like I put my kids down so I'm not up super late. And then when you first wake up, Another physical thing you can do is go outside and experience natural light with your eyes. Like don't wear sunglasses. A lot of us work in these, you know, fluorescent light buildings, right? Never actually see the light of day and go out and experience natural light. And that helps your circadian rhythm going. It helps kickstart your circadian rhythm for the day, which is a 24 hour cycle. So that night. Yeah. So tell me more about that. How do you say it again? Our, our circadian? circadian rhythm. It's just the cycle of our sleep. And so in the morning, right, our cortisol levels spike up because we're waking up. And it also, so it affects our cortisol levels and our body temperature. 
So when we get out and get morning light, it wakes us up. It's like a natural cup of coffee. And then it increases our body temperature. We go for the day, maybe around noon or one, we start to fall a little, get a little tired because our body Mm -hmm. temperatures will drop a little bit, cortisol levels will drop. Then they'll increase again and their body temperature will increase before, right before bedtime. And usually sundown is the time when our body should be winding down. However, the problem is we get so much exposure to unnatural light and our phones that it keeps our bodies up. Right. So my, you know, my suggestion is, especially now during daylight savings time, is either wear blue blocker glasses, like, okay. or like use very, I think they're LED lights. They're very dim, not for reading clearly, but like use kind of an orangey light, like change out some of your light bulbs in your house. So you're not having, you know, lights blaring all evening, like keep the lights really dim. And even you can put a filter on your TV too, for that and computer, it's called Flux. There's an app called Flux that can help dim your computer. I don't know about on the television, but that's something to think about. Yeah, and then wow, just wow. manage manage your intake of use of screens at night. Like sometimes I do have to work at night. So using that Flux app is helpful. But if you can start to set up your environment for success for sleep, it pays a huge makes a huge difference. That's great. And then that helps set you up for, okay, I got a good sleep. Now I can wake up 30 minutes earlier yeah. before my kids wake up. Right. And then also my food choices because I'm not so tired. I'm not just drinking coffee and consuming mm-hmm. to stay awake. So that's better. And then, okay, like something happens with work that really makes me mad. Well, okay, I'm less reactive to it. Is that really a big deal? Yeah. Is that really a battle I need to fight? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it, it makes a huge difference. This is interesting. I like the fact that we've gotten a lot of really good ideas just in the past few minutes related to sleep. You talked about social support. Let me ask you this. When you say movement, you talked about planned and unplanned movement. What do you mean by that exactly? Yeah. So the American Heart Association, the CDC recommend that every human being gets 120 minutes of moderate exercise a week, moderate intensity exercise. So that's that's planned exercise that our bodies need. Plan meaning like you go to the gym and you do a HIIT workout or mm-hmm. Zumba workout, whatever it is you want to do, right? Or you go out for a run. The unplanned though is where it pays very big dividends for you. Not yeah. like plan is great, but I find that most people sit too much. Okay. And so the unplanned is how many steps you get in a day. So 8,000 to 12,000 steps is ideal. Now that means you're going to have to move every 25 minutes to an hour, get up and move around, right? Mm -hmm. Versus just sit, stand more, right? Get a slow walking treadmill under your desk. Mm -hmm. I don't do that, but some of my colleagues do that. I stand quite a bit for work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just, you want to, the unplanned movement is like the frequency of movement you get in your day. Okay. So even though I might be at a computer most of my day, I'm still getting up and moving around and I still want to accrue 8,000 to 12,000 steps a day. Why? Because it's so nourishing for your body. Walking reverses the effects of sitting, right? It activates your feet, knee, hips. It's great for your spine. It's great for actually your ability to learn. So there's some research around just walking for 20 minutes before a test, right? Can help students retain information. And it also can improve creativity too, by upwards of 60%. So just like if you want to think through a problem, Instead of just sitting there, 
right? Get up and move, go outside and see and force multiply. We call it go out and experience nature and think, go out for a walk, right? And maybe if you want to, like the way I connect with friends and some of the calls I have for business are walking calls. Like instead of going out for to eat or coffee, it's like, let's go on a walking call together. Interesting. And so what do you do? Do you have like a special headset or just your earbuds when you're walking and talking with them? Earbuds are, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've done that too uh, at the driving range where, or when I'm practicing my putting, I'll just have my calls scheduled where I don't need to take notes or anything, but I'm putting, I'm doing something, I'm walking. You know, I've done that a few times. So this is really interesting. These aren't really overwhelming ideas that you're talking about. These are pretty simple changes. Let me, let me kind of go in a different direction here because I know we don't have a lot of time left, but what are some pitfalls for people that have tried to make changes what are the things that you've seen kept them from actually following through and executing on these ideas? What, what are the kind of talk in that regard, Dr. T? Yeah, there's a couple big ones. All right. So one of them is the excuses we make and we've all made them. So I'll share those with you. The excuses of, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. You do have time. Think about what you spent on the toilet or yeah. right. Like you're just, <laughs> you know, commuting home from work or to work or scrolling on your phone. You have time. The second one is, uh, I don't feel like it. Well, of course you don't feel like it, right? Doing anything different and hard. For example, eating a little bit healthier for your body or getting up to do a new exercise routine isn't comfortable. However, you have to understand that motivation will come by taking action. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to wait until you feel like it, it's never going to happen. And the third one is someday. Like maybe someday when I'm less busy or when I retire, I hear that quite a bit when I'm, when I retire, when I have more money, right? Well, these things don't cost anything actually. Yeah. A lot of these things don't cost anything. I mean, food costs, but everything else doesn't that I'm talking about. And if you wait until someday, we all know what happens with someday. Mm -hmm. There's no someday. And so you know, if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you always got. If not now, then when? So kind of just, you know, the practice of mindfulness of being aware, being aware of where you make those excuses is really important because you're going to see that it infiltrates your life and takes you out of the game of life and enjoying yeah. it and actually taking time for self-care. I do not feel like self-care a lot of the days, right? It's just because of work or travel, but I know once I start, like I get going and the motivation comes. Yeah. Right. And then, and so the second one is this idea of fixed versus growth mindset. Okay. So there's the fixed mindset is like a know-it-all mindset. Uh, I have an injury and my doctor said, I'm not, I can't do that anymore. Well, is that the only doctor you talk to? Right. What about, have you gotten a second opinion? And if you tried everything, so the know-it-all mindset or which obviously can cause lack of innovation in a company in the military can kill people right? Of like, I know what I'm doing and I don't need anyone to help me. And I've already done this before versus the the growth mindset is a learn it all. Someone who sees possibility is willing to grow, is not threatened by the other successes and is willing to like do whatever it takes. And that's the kind of frameworks you want to think about in your life with obstacles or what, you know, challenges or other people's Mm -hmm. successes. Where are you? Do you support or disapprove? And where in your life are you? Do you have more of a fixed mindset? I guarantee somewhere, especially if you're not growing, right? If you're not growing financially, personally, mm-hmm. in your faith, like most likely you have a fixed mindset somewhere. Yeah, that's right. Versus growth of like, 
all right, you know what? I need some help here. I am open to feedback. One thing I will just say is when you get feedback though, consider the source of that feedback, mm-hmm. right? Not every feedback is great. If you look on Instagram or social, right, social media, there's everyone's an expert. No, not everyone's an expert. So really be mindful of how you take in information and who right. you're listening to, but still be open-minded and have a growth mindset because that will pay huge dividends. That means that you'll take on some of these health initiatives. Right. I'm only asking you to do one. Like really, yeah. if you pay attention to fixed versus growth mindset and these excuses, and then you start to apply one of these exercises I ask you to do a day, you'll get 1% better a day, which means over the course of a year, 37 times better yeah. or worse if you yeah. don't take action That's right. or the same. But really, like I could talk about all the research around goals, but I think what people need to hear is that their excuses are wreaking havoc on their life. Yeah. Teresa, this is brilliant. And I want to thank you for sharing this deep wisdom that comes along with changes people will make. Because I know the people that we have listening, some of them do have a lot of success in other areas, but maybe it's the health just isn't where it needs to be. So thanks for sharing this wisdom with us. If we could kind of summarize what we've talked about so far into three action steps to help people get started, what would those three action steps be? Well, one is I'm going to give you a lifestyle RX downloadable link, which I okay, want you good, to do good. because one, it'll give you in the five areas of well being exactly what you should be doing on a high level each day, which That's will great. help a ton. The second one is beware of the excuses you make, right? Where do they like start to pay attention to that? And then the third one is don't, you know, don't wait for motivation. Yeah. Just yeah. take action and pick one thing. Right. So, okay, I'm going to improve my sleep. Great. Just do it. Even though you don't feel like it, even though you want to be on your phone and and binge watch TV, whatever it is, or you just got to work, like let yourself get some sleep or let yourself meditate. Just do one thing. And we're going to put that link on the show notes. So everybody Mm -hmm. listening, go to the show notes, wherever you listen to your podcast, and you'll be able to find that link on there. And then tell us the other offerings that you have, Dr. T. What is it that you do? What do you have other things that you'd like for our listening audience to know about? Yeah. Thanks, Scott. So I am the founder of Movement RX, a Marine Corps veteran. I have a well-being company. So my organization, so I do keynote talks and trainings for organizations around your competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. And then my company, my team and I do quarterly trainings for organizations who really want to dial in their well-being. And with that comes a leadership well-being platform that has all kinds of programs around sleep, food, movement, the social support aspect and meditation. And I happen to work with one of your colleagues who's a Naval Academy grad and retired Navy SEAL who teaches the mindfulness and meditation component on our platform. That's terrific, Teresa. I want to thank you for being here. Like I said, we're going to put all your information on the show notes and we'll put your LinkedIn profile on there as well. Thanks for coming here today and sharing this wisdom. I'd love to have you back on in the future, Teresa. Thank you, Scott. This is awesome. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.